We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast for Wednesday, April 19th. A little flip-flop in your schedule this week. This podcast presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Today we are going to dive into some latest trade rumors from around the league. We're going to get into the Trey Lance saga out in San Francisco as the draft approaches. Uh, A couple other key uh, potential trades uh, among the veterans. We're also going to get into some underdog Best ball strategy, of course, some rookies to target now before the price goes up post-draft. A lot to get to. Let's get it rolling. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code RWNFL to sign up over at Underdog. Get a free six-month subscription to Roadwire and get your first deposit over at Underdog matched up to a cool $100. John McKechnie and Mario Puig hanging out with you on this Wednesday. Mario, what's going on in your world? We're, we're a week away from the draft. Yeah, it's uh, coming up quick. I'm trying to get uh, like a three-round mock draft done, and it's the hardest thing I've ever written. I think. And, oh my god! Uh, yeah, it's in. I've I've written it like six times. I can't even finish it uh, before some kind of thing happens. Like this Trey Lance thing is gonna like ruin my day. Um, not not because I'm like mad about the rumors or whatever. I kind of at this point hope he gets out of San Francisco. But it's like, oh man, if if the Texans or whatever Titans or something go after him. Oh, my, my whole, my whole draft order is just a set of flame again. Right. And, and then all of a sudden, if it's Houston, then there there's credence to the idea of Houston going with, with the defender uh, with their first pick, because I would that, like that. I mean, Will Anderson, Trey Lance, that's if they leave the first round without a quarterback and, and you know, no Trey Lance, no Justin Fields, that would be a stupid scenario to take a defender at too, I think. But Hey, if, if your quarterback's answered for then uh Willie Anderson's pretty nice to have on your team. Yeah, no, that uh definitely would uh be be a large proponent uh, of that one uh Will Anderson getting him his services on on the team. Um so, you know, what are, are those the two teams that that really stand out? Is there anyone else that that kind of makes sense to you as far as a, a Lance reclamation project and and what kind of return do you think San Francisco could could get? Uh, for for Lance at this stage because they they've done nothing but 
kind of like undercut their own potential returns on him the whole way. Yeah, I have no idea because the question of like what they should do is one thing and what they are liable to do uh, just in general. I, I I have no idea. They they have uh, whatever John Lynch on record, I guess, a couple months ago saying, I guess Brock Purdy's our starter, given how the season ended. Uh, but even if Shanahan's on board with that, and I, I have no idea what Shanahan is thinking these days, it seemed like he was all attached to Garoppolo. And then uh, Garoppolo not playing hurt in the playoffs was enough for Shanahan to just get rid of him unconditionally without even a, apparently having like a very particular plan in place afterward. Unless the plan was like he's really just that sold on Brock Purdy. Uh, I would not be sold on Brock Purdy as a starter. Certainly not with this Tommy John thing. Uh, we still don't. I mean, we know he's going to be back, but we still don't know what that means. You know, it's like I don't remember any mm-hmm. other quarterback having that. Uh, Roethlisberger was the closest instance, I think. And uh, he didn't have surgery, so uh, yeah, I I would keep Lance, and he'd just he'd be my starter. Like I, I don't think there's any question for, for me who's better between, or at least like if if Purdy does things better than Lance, um, any particular thing better than Lance, then I still want Lance on the field because it's like he could become something better than what he is with experience, with a you know proper tutelage. Whereas Brock Purdy is just a turd you have to polish the rest of the time that you have him as your starting quarterback. And I know uh, Shanahan is usually pretty sharp, but if he really looked at the way Purdy played last year and concluded, oh, I'll just, I only need Purdy. It's, I, I don't need anything else. This is good enough. I think he's going to be shocked at how how much difficulty lies ahead because uh, as much as Garoppolo was not very good, in my opinion, like it, even if he was an above average starting quarterback, I, a, I don't think so, but even if he is technically above average, it's to some category of above average that I don't care about. It's like still not good enough to me. And yet I thought Garoppolo clearly was much better than Purdy last year. So, you know, Garoppolo throughout his 49 or 10 years, clearly better than Purdy was last year. So I, I, I just don't understand why they would be looking at it that way. You know, get, wanting to get rid of Lance to clear a path for Brock Purdy doesn't make any sense to me. And if, if that's the way they're thinking, then I, I don't know why they wouldn't, you know, be liable to do kind of anything at all. Like it's, it's, that's totally wild behavior to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like, you know, as you laid out there, the, the, the die has kind of been cast. It feels like they, they want to ride with, with Brock Purdy and they, they want to get something back for, for Trey Lance. Who obviously they, they spent a lot to go and get in the draft just a couple of years ago. Um, and you know, uh, Purdy obviously did well, in the short sample last year, but but like you said, if you look a little bit closer, you wonder about how sustainable it is. I mean, I, I think that there's pretty good reason as to why uh, Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant in the draft last year, all that. So it, it's they've put themselves in in a tricky spot. And, and again, if, if Purdy's elbow isn't you know fully ready to go for the start of the season, they got to throw like a Sam Darnold out there. I don't. I mean, I actually believe Darnold is better than Purdy, but uh, yeah, still, still not one of those places you want to end up. Uh, and also, it's it's so this could be so messy because the way that the 49ers handled Garoppolo, you know, refusing to trade him for I don't know, I can't remember what they were demanding. I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, we want a first rounder. You know, this guy that they're going to cut in eight months, we we want a first rounder. We're not mm-hmm. trading. Uh, you know that kind of thing. If they do that with Lance, they'll never find a suitor, you know? Like, they'll do that nonsense that, uh, like, the Broncos did with Aquaginum last year. Like, we think this guy sucks, but also you're not paying us enough for him. 
Like, yeah, yeah. You, uh, clearly, one of these is a wrong premise. You know, get your act together. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a tricky dance that that they're doing. Um, let's see. I, I guess looking around, um, if if Trey Lance were to go for for a first rounder, maybe maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. Do you think Tampa Bay or Washington would would be potential suitors for that mm-hmm. one? Or I feel Washington, like Tampa, no, Tampa mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. I, I I don't have a good feel for what the Buccaneers are up to at all right now. Um, no, I don't think they do either. Yeah, I can't tell if they're okay. I actually don't think Tampa will do it. Uh, not because it wouldn't make sense. If, if I was running Tampa, I'd at least be looking into it, I guess. But uh, I think they're that they're somewhat correctly. I think looking at this as a tank season. Uh, yes. I don't know why else you would announce Kyle Trask as your presumable starter and then sign Baker Mayfield for competition unless you were like, oh, we're going 4-13, and 13, boys. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we need not strain so much. This, this is just, you know, we're, we're, we're simulating this season, but we'll, we'll play our franchise mode games in 2024 uh, after we get a cool draft pick. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's very relatable of the Buccaneers to just go ahead, do, do something great, and then just chill on it for a while. And uh, that, that's kind of what, the uh the Super Bowl run in in the years or and now uh this next era kind of kind of looks like they're just they're just hanging out th- this yeah year. and I guess it makes sense because I I don't even know what they're supposed to do next you know they might as well just put all ambitions on pause basically yeah it, yeah it, that's what I'm thinking as well um a couple of other notable vets who who could or could not uh, be on the move what do you make of DeAndre Hopkins and and uh, his current status with the Cardinals, obviously tweets over the weekend. I don't want to pay raise, uh, but I think that also means that like he, he's also not taking a pay cut. Um, right. Do you think that, do you think that there are teams that they're going to be willing to jump in? Do you think that uh, the Cardinals, they, they know that they have to trade him, and, and like, you know, maybe like the pressure of draft night gets, gets to them once again, you know, what, where do you see that this going? I wouldn't be surprised if Hopkins willing to take, um, not a, not like a lower average per year pay contract, but a, a lower cap number uh, than the 29 and uh, 30, I should just call it 30 and 25 and a half, which is the 2023 and 2024 hits. So uh, I, any team probably wants to get that lowered a little bit and backload uh, an extension is what I would imagine. And, um, you know, some teams are more able to take on an expense like Hopkins's contract than others. And um, I, I guess it, it, it's been kind of a, what was, he posted something on Instagram that led people to think that he was uh, preferring what the bills and the chiefs or something. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember if that was the right characterization. Um, I don't know what either team's means of acquiring him might be like, a, I don't, I don't know what the price point might eventually turn out to be for a Hopkins trade. And I don't know where those teams are going to uh, relate to that as far as like their, their motives and you know means uh, the team that I kind of have a suspicion for Hopkins is neither of the two that he would prefer apparently, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's kind of like convinced to get on board with it. Uh, the Colts, because I think it's actually uh, part of, part of the uh, Hopkins scenario being, so weird because of his contract and like the weird market around him. Uh, It it makes it hard to find a team that kind of like has a need for someone like him and also like the spare 
capital laying around to, to easily make room for him. And I think the Colts are one of those uh, are in a weird spot because they want to trade up to the third pick. And um, I think that they could do something like work out, you know, the, the framework of a trade up for that. They're at four, they're trying to get the three and the Cardinals could hand over Hopkins in the process of that trade somehow. Uh, I don't know what exactly it would look like. Um, like some of it could be like, it could probably be something like, uh, what would it be? Um, like the Colts trade four and Kenny Moore and like, I don't know, a, a, a third rounder. No, maybe, a, I don't know. Maybe like a third and a fourth or something like that. And uh, they eat 15 million of the roughly, whatever is it? 30 million. I can't remember. Uh, no, not sorry. Uh, they, they have about 21 21 and a half or something million of uh, prorated bonuses, which it's already been paid to Hopkins, but it's on the cap hit for 2023 and 2024. And uh, it seems like the Cardinals might want to try to get out of some of that and have, have maybe the Colts could eat like 12 million of that. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think it's the Colts for some reason. It just feels like something's going on between those two teams. And it seems like the Cardinals are in a position like they need to get Hopkins in uh, whatever trade they can make next, it's like Hopkins. They have to find a way to get him in in that trade. Yeah. So all of a sudden, there, there's like real trade interest in the in the top five. I think we've kind of circled the Cardinals for some time as a team that would make sense uh, to move back. But you know, I, I kind of figured or kind of glossed over the idea of them just trading back or, or pick swapping uh, with, with Indianapolis. That would change it just just one spot. But you know, if Indianapolis feels pressured especially if the if Trey Lance goes to Houston, Houston's not using the second pick um, on a quarterback anymore, then they can get, you know, who whoever was second on their board or, you know, potentially it'd be the first guy on their board depending on, on uh, who goes to, to Carolina. But that, that's an interesting thought. Um, a, a team that, that kind of fit the parameters that, that you were discussing or, or laying out um, as far as having some, having some capital to, to move around to, to make this happen and also – having something of a need. What about the Falcons? So, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I would, I would imagine Hopkins wouldn't be happy with that. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, Trey Lance uh, would be interesting to me for the Falcons. I, I, I didn't think of that one before uh, not to hate on Ritter or anything. I just kind of, kind of doubt it's going to happen. Uh, Trey Lance to the Falcons makes sense to me, but I feel like they've also they're at uh, about nine point nine million according to over the cap in cap space, and I'm not sure if they comfortably sign their rookie class and add a contract like Hopkins's. Okay, so they've kind of already already spent their wad as far. I mean, I don't know how the cap really works. You know, it's like I, I can see the numbers as they're reported, but apparently there's all kinds of just you know endless loopholes just just to. A, a deep uh, labyrinth of, of sub clauses and whatever that uh, I would just never figure out. No, not even close. Um, did not go to business school. I can't, can't understand those numbers. Even the numbers you were throwing out at me uh, started to, to too big. Scare me. Too big. I, yeah. I hear how big they are. And it's Lop the zeros off and then, then we can start talking. Um, let's see. And then one, one more to toss your way before we, we get over to, to the underdog segment. Uh, this may just be pure rumor mill, um, but Dalvin Cook would he could he potentially be on the move from Minnesota? 
in the sense that I can imagine the Vikings having an interest in moving him. I mean, he's uh what 20 he's going to be 28 soon and that's not a great spot for for a running back uh, you know, one with a lot of mileage you know going back to Florida State as a true freshman he was getting a lot of work there. So Dalvin might be a little bit more like 30 years old and, uh, you know, adjusting for workload or whatever else and the number of kind of uh, just hits that he's taken. Mm-hmm. And it's it's also tough to put an exact variable uh, value, I should say, on like uh, his his shol- shoulder injury risk. Um, is it the shoulder or the elbow? I can't remember. What, whatever one is di- yeah, dislocated it like four times. He can like he could just like bump into a door and knock that shoulder out. Uh, how how badly he's messed it up to this point. So he's kind of like got conventional injury concerns just on the basis of an age workload. And then you throw in the shoulder and it's like, that's, that's such a wild card. I, I don't know how you even put like a number on the risk level that that poses. And so uh, if you're the Vikings, rather than paying Cook, uh, let's see, 14, not paying him necessarily, but a cap hit of 14 million this year, 15.6 next year. Uh, both of those much higher figures than what he's had in the first three years of this contract. So um, at the very least, I think they're looking, they'll have to look at like restructuring him or something. And he probably is not inclined to do that. Uh, I don't know. Um, If there's a team, I guess that's out there willing to pay the contract, then. Yeah, I guess I can't imagine it taking that much either. It's like maybe like a fifth round pick. If mm-hmm. if you if Cook is willing, if Cook is only willing to pay on the contract as it currently is, then they would have to kind of just cut him because he's just not playing in that case, and no team is going to give him the contract at this point in his career. Um, so that could happen too, I guess. It's I, I don't think it would take much to get him in a trade though. So with all of that in mind, um, are you kind of like putting a freeze on, on acquiring Dalvin Cook shares in, in best ball? <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember why, but I don't have many shares. And I, what I mean by I can't remember why is I can't remember if I sort of was tempted at one point and, and said, no, resist, you know, Dalvin's, Dalvin's too risky, stay away. I, I don't really remember that happening. So I think I just kind of incidentally was targeting other players. And so uh, I didn't really, I don't really have a recollection of thinking that much about Dalvin other than, um, I think he's, you know, really, really talented if he's healthy and, he, and if he hasn't hit some sort of, you know, decline point. But I don't trust his durability. I don't trust his just general situations. Like, what if he goes to another team? There's a pretty good chance that his ADP slips because it's just like a worse offense or something. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess the nightmare scenario would be um, Chris Boyd, that backup corner that the that the Cardinals signed who is, he used to be with the Vikings that posted something on Instagram or whatever, about like Dalvin come to Arizona. It's great here. And um, that would be an example of a team where he goes to, and it's like, Oh, this, this got worse. But um, you, you can eat outside in Arizona um, this time of year. And the owner's really cool. Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People love playing for the Cardinals. So I don't know why Dalvin wouldn't. They, they they absolutely do. Um, and uh, just one one uh, footnote here at the end. Got a fu- last round Ty Chandler share. Just, oh, for nice. J- just to do. Yeah, it. I forgot about him. Uh, 
did he play last year like a single snap? Yeah, I think he had like three three carries, baby. Something like okay. that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely prefer Chandler over Juan Wu or however you say it. That that guy's a gunner. Yeah, he he's cool because he can run really fast, but he's not um good at football. Um, but beyond, beyond Madison that, actually could end up being I don't remember where he was going, probably like what in the one quarterback, he was probably going in something like the 13th or 14th round or something like that, even after he re-signed with the Vikings, because People are kind of like, oh, now he's just a backup again. And that might not be true. Uh, he might yeah, be he's end of, end of the 10th round in 12-teamers. Okay. Yeah, he might end up starting. If Cook is gone, I would assume Madison is their starter because I, I don't think you're getting someone better than Madison unless uh, in the draft unless you're spending like a second rounder or at least a third. And it doesn't seem like the Vikings are especially inclined to do that. Yeah. So, all right. I'm going to have to try to grab some Madison but uh, over the next week. Uh, just in case, just in case. But I, I think he's a, a fine enough pick at current ADP um, as well. If you're if you're into that kind of thing, um, let's go ahead. Let's hit a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
and a message from our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. The 2022 NFL season is over. We know that. But the fantasy football season never stops at Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy football. Right now, you can draft in Underdog's The Big Board Tournament with $1 million in total prizes and 200000 given out to first place. Think you know which incoming rookies will burst onto the scene in 2023? If so, now's your chance to draft them at a value. All you have to do is join the big board, draft your fantasy team, and that's it. In best ball, there's no waivers, no trades, and you get the best scores in your starting lineup each week of the season. And whoever has the highest scores at the end of the season wins. Just head to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or the Google Play Store. Sign up with the promo code RWNFL, and not only will you get your first deposit doubled up to $100, but we will also hook you up with a six-month subscription to everything Rotowire has to offer for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWNFL. All right, Mario, the topic of today's uh, Underdog Best Ball segment is rookies to target now before the NFL draft. So that, so basically, uh, the, the longer-form description of it is guys that are going at, at a certain ADP that it's not going to be anywhere close to that potentially uh, three weeks from now, two weeks from now, a month from now, um, just a- after the draft, people go nuts about the landing spot. Uh, pe- people go higher or, or uh, these particular players go higher th- than what is being expected, what is being regurgitated in, in draft media, what what you see from cookie cutter mock drafts all over the place. Like, oh, I don't remember seeing his name in, in this guy's two round mock. All of a sudden he he goes second round things change drastically. So uh, who fits the bill for you as far as ADP values among rookies before the draft? So I'm probably not going to target him, especially now that the price is only going up anyway. But one guy who it seems like uh, could go from, you know, being undrafted uh, probably as recently as last week to being something like, I don't know, uh, if we're calling best ball, if we're calling it a best ball underdog uh, super flex, it might only still be like something like fifteenth, fourteenth round. But in one quarterback, it might prove to be uh, top ten rounds. Even is Jonathan Mingo. Uh, I don't think he really profiles as a high target player, but uh, it seems like you know if, if you if you picked him already, you you probably got some kind of capital out of that. You know, or it's it's a it's nice. To, to get some player in the 20th round uh, who eventually starts going in the 12th or 14th, even if they end up being a bad value in the 12th and the 14th, it's like, it's, it's good to get cheap free exposure. Uh, I don't know if it's still, if there's still time to do it, but you can, I think assume after the draft Mingo uh, who could go in the first 40 picks, his price will go up. And so uh, for instance, John, that the draft that you did the other day, uh, you got him in the 19th, correct? Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, you got him in the 19th. I would imagine that after the draft, he's going, well, he's probably going to go after the draft earlier than where you took Marvin Mims and where the next team took Jalen Hyatt in the 15th round. Uh, if Mingo goes in the top 40, and as long as, he, I should say, if he goes in the top 40 and doesn't end up on uh, whatever, some nightmares, if he's on the, I don't know, Bears, I guess, maybe that mm-hmm. wouldn't really raise his price necessarily. But uh, pretty much anything else, I think, as long as he goes where he's currently projected, he will go eventually much higher in best ball, too. Yeah, the, the Mingo stuff is interesting. I've noticed that that he's definitely uh, gotten some some helium or not necessarily helium in, in the ADP, but definitely a lot more 
um, discourse about Jonathan Mingo uh, of late, you know, being an Ole Miss receiver, uh, kind of, you know, big physical type of guy, like you said, probably doesn't profile as, as the the high target type, but, you know, someone that you can uh, utilize deep down the field. He's got, he's got the athleticism. Um, I, I think that he's interesting. Um, certainly the, He's a really standout blocker too. So you can imagine Mingo going a lot earlier than like pass catching projections would lead you to assume because teams look at Mingo, not just for like the targets that he can draw, but the structural benefit of having a 220 pounder who blocks, you know, in a way that makes it a problem for most corners. And yet if you try to counter his physical presence with like a safety type, you know, another a 210, 220 pound uh, defensive back, chances are that player can't run with Mingo down the sidelines. So he's, he's, um he, he's like a kind of player who's just structurally helpful, even if he's not drawing targets. And I, I think it could be pretty tough on like a run uh, heavy team that does play action a lot. Cause if, if the defense is crashing at the run at all, uh, if he's getting bigger personnel to, to offset him, you know, being the physical presence that he is, it's just tough to track that kind of athlete with that kind of reach down the seam. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. Um, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Do, uh, do we want to sum this up as don't take Quentin Johnston in yeah. whatever round he is, take Jonathan Mingo at his ADP? Yeah, there's there's a non-zero chance Mingo goes ahead of Johnston. I think it would be kind of silly, but these things do happen. Uh, but Johnston, um, I assume he's slipping basically every day. I, I, it seems like a, there's just this really... Um, the consensus is souring on him all of a sudden. And I don't know why, I guess it's um, maybe people really wanted him to run like a four, four forty at the TCU pro day. He ran something more like a four, five, five. And uh, if he's a four, five, five guy, then he's not fast enough to be the same big play threat in the NFL as he was in college. The reason I, I still think Johnson is fine, admittedly not as good as I hoped he would be before the, the, the pre-draft testing, but I think he's going to be fine because he probably played more around 200 and he ran the 40 at 213 for some reason. And I bet when he gets down to 200, he basically turns back into a DJ Chark kind of guy. Um, it's just, there is a valid criticism with Johnston that he, for a big receiver is not very helpful at the catch point. Uh, he needs to be open. And if there's, if it's a contested target, there's, there's a reason to worry. He won't come down with it. So he might, only be like a Donovan Peoples Jones or something like that. I consider DJ Chark to be kind of like a notch above Peoples Jones. So um, yeah, maybe the Chark thing isn't on the table, but uh, I also think it's it's um it's it's fine if he's somewhat one dimensional. You know, like he's not going to be a target guy, but him too. The, putting Quentin Johnson on fly routes and post routes on a you know, especially if you get the defense a little bit gassed, get him off the play action, like that's going to work just fine. It's just. Uh, He's not going to be the first two receivers taken, I don't think. And uh, he might not be in the first three or four taken uh, in, yeah. a, in a certain like doomsday scenario. Yeah, things have, things seem to have maybe overly uh, soured with, with QJ. Uh, give me some other guys who, whose uh, ADPs you expect to, to go up. Um, a, a couple that, that I thought um, I think you, everyone should be getting as much Marvin Mims as physically possible right now. I mean, he's available uh, like in the – 15th round something like that maybe even a little bit later go ahead and you know j jump the adp um by a round or two i'm i'm comfortable doing that especially given some of the other players around him uh your guy tyler scott is still 
essentially free in, in yeah. best ball drafts. So um, go ahead and, and, you know, spend your 20th round pick on, on that. Thank us later. Um, do you think that Charb- Zach Charbonnet um, or Devin Chain could see major, or I guess uh, Israel Abanaconda actually is the one that I think uh, whose, whose price could, could go up uh, the most. Among he's, he's had a bit of a price jump. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to see what it would have been in the the big board. The big board won uh, one quarterback because uh, in this draft that you did, John, Abanaconda went in the twelfth round, mm-hmm. and I feel like by super flex standards, that's almost like the ninth or something for you know by one quarterback standards. I should have said so. That's the highest I've seen him go basically, uh, and I'm I'm kind of surprised because like even after the pro day. Uh, on the one quarterback, the big board is like the ADP never adjusted. Like people just kind of never adjusted to the news with him or Tyler Scott, like you said. And it's like these guys are going to go higher than people are currently projecting. And um, almost as much, it, it, as much as it's the case that like yeah, Banaconda, a, a chain. Um, who's that other one? Um, uh, uh, Charbonnet. Yeah, they could all go higher, and I, I somewhat expect they all will. Uh, Charbonnet just people are just sleeping on him and I don't understand it at all. Uh, it's so easy to see why he's a starting NFL running back, a starting above average running back and a, like really good fantasy asset to have. It's it's just kind of like stubbornness and willful ignorance at this point that you can't get more people to understand why he's clearly better than someone like James Cook, uh, whatever, you know, <laughs> lessers tend to go in his range of the ADP. So um, we have, we just have like a really bad era of draft analysis in the fantasy scene where people are just getting really confused and don't know how to evaluate players. They, they just, they get more caught up in like vibe based assessments and then they fill in like their gaps of knowledge. Otherwise with these proprietary metrics that are sloppily defined and are, are conducted by people who don't understand football well enough to make the calls on the definitions in the first place. It's a mess. And these things will be cleared up to some extent by the draft and the draft when Abanaconda goes in the third round or whatever, uh, and people basically look at him for the first, these people who had been taking like Roshan Johnson and Ty J Spears instead all this time, they'll look at him for the first time because the NFL told them to, you know, right. And then their opinion will catch up and the ADP will jump. Um, yeah. So but some he, of that is, he won't be the Trey Sermon, you know, right. Uh, it, or the, yeah, the, the, the Tyrion Davis, uh, price, uh, one of, oh, one gosh, of the favorites yeah, of all worse. time. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, anyway, uh, so you got people just as much uh, as you could say that Abanaconda, Charbonnet, a chain go up even more certainty. I can put on the fact that pretty much all of those other rookie running backs that people have been hyping all off season are going to go way later than they have been. Roshan okay. Johnson, um, uh, Tank Bigsby, Spears. Uh, Spears. And to be clear, I like Spears. I think he's a, he's a clearly talented runner with the ball, but people aren't thinking about how much the NFL will care about a 200 pound rushing specialist backup who isn't much of a pass catcher and has a you know knee history to boot mm-hmm. so uh he's he's a role player he's he's a good role player he'll be explosive but he's not going to be a 15 carry running back let alone a 20 carry one um yeah but so uh, basically sorry. if you have interest in those guys like that's hold off fine, i suppose but just hold off um, yeah. until after the draft to go ahead and, and get the get the discount and then you you know if you end up being right uh you end up being right like double doubly so just because you, you get some added value and as opposed to, to reaching for them at their adp but that, that's going to round it out uh for our underdog best ball segment again 
Sign up over at Underdog using that promo code RWNFL. Get your first deposit matched up to $100. Get that six-month subscription to Rotowire and Profit. Um, Mario, I kind of want to just keep going uh, uh, on this angle, um, talking about some rookies who uh, could could seriously see their ADPs change uh, here in the next nine days. Um, What are your thoughts on, on Chase Brown? Because he's a, he's another guy who like gets drafted most of the time, but but always very very late. Um, do you think that there, there's something there with him, or or am I off? I think there is something there, which it's it's again kind of weird that I'm in this particular place that I am relative to Brown because I thought I was going to have to be a hater, and after the combine, I thought I would have to be the hater who says like actually Chase Brown is not uh, the most epic thing since. Uh, freaking bacon and he no is not going to go in the first round or whatever because he people just reggie corbin reggie corbin um yeah people just kind of uh, freak out about the combine sometimes and you know with twitter social media uh, a lot of this stuff is happening in like um discord chats too i think that's where a lot of people are, are, are cooking things up like that now um but um Crap, sorry, John, which, which player was I talking about? Sorry, I lost You're talking this. about Chase Brown. Out of oh, Chase Brown, right. So Chase Brown, I thought, would start going in like the 13th or 12th round after the, the combine because, you know, was, he was he was like placing first in pretty much every test. And uh, he's not the smallest running back. He's, he's not big enough to be a starter, in my opinion, for extended stretches, uh, or at least not like a not like a 20 carry starter. If he's like a 15 carry, three, four catch starter, maybe you can do that. Um, but... I thought when he had those those leading category things, it was going to be you know one of those social media just hype contests where where people want to post the most epic clips to get retweeted the most and and just stoke up a bunch of hype. And to my surprise, that never happened. Uh, or like maybe it happened a little bit, but people just kind of got bored with him for some reason and started fixating on Roshan Johnson again. And I, I don't know why. I, I um, in any case. Uh, would have been against Brown in like the 12th or the 13th, which is where I thought he was going to go. But he stayed in the 18th through 20th. He goes undrafted a lot in these underdog yeah. drafts. I, I would have personally let, liked to see what what um, the like hater preparation process looks like for you. I know, I know you're not a John Wick guy, but I, I think that you've like been on the internet enough to know the meme of like John Wick uh, when he knows he's going back in. Uh, he's got his, his uh, kit. This would be your hater kit. Uh, buried under your house you grab a sledgehammer you take it to it and then there there you go there's the briefcase with, with all yeah i had the sledgehammer i had the sledgehammer and then i, I got that so my beeper went off it was like hey his adp didn't go up at all I'm like oh crap and it, <laughs> it all for nothing <laughs> uh, well i mean you did get to you you have gotten to open it up for for one roshan johnson though so i, I feel like we <laughs> We, and yeah, also, let me say, let me say, I don't actually hate any of these guys. I, I do hate um, the culture uh, on the internet around uh, these these just hype beast accounts uh, yep. doing all this ridiculous stuff. But uh, I wish Roshan Johnson all the, the best success in the world. I, 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 uh, but of, of course, of course, yeah. yeah. But we, we got we got to you know like you know spritz the water bottle at the people that are uh, a little bit too uh, over anxious on some misguided things that they take to the nth degree and i think that he's sean alexander john he's sean alexander (laughs) if you were worried about ai taking a taking us over um it 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 said that roshan johnson is sean alexander so i think we're we're safe until the next update 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, so uh, to circle a little bit, uh, circle back a little bit on a chain too. Um, I think people are just getting him wrong. I understand why in the fantasy scene people are terrified of him. A few years ago, I would have probably uh, thought some of the same things, concluded some of the same things. But I think we have extended reason to believe that he is not comparable to J.D. and Hawkins or whatever nightmare running back pick, uh, nightmare, you know, tiny running back people have in mind. It's just he's he's work done. And work done already happened, so I don't want anyone to say, like, oh, that's an anomaly. He's like, well, work done was an anomaly because of a set of characteristics that he had that allowed him to transcend the category that he otherwise was in as a tiny running back. And with a chain, we simply have reason to believe that that's the case with him, too, because the other cases of, you know, 180-pound running backs failing, um, A, a lot of them were smaller than a chain, like, to a, 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 a considerable degree, and all of them are way less athletic, and all of them had worse collegiate production than a chain did. So I think it's one thing to point at his uh, lack of weight and say, like, this is a workload concern, and it is. He can't go taking 20 carries more than, like, a couple times in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's a valid concern. But people take it too far, and they, they start to say, actually, it's a performance concern. His weight is, is so low that it w- means he won't be effective on the football field. And that's not true. And, and that's that's the basic disconnect uh, between people, um, you know, kind of uh, li- trying to find a JV and Hawkins kind of connection. It's like they're just they're not looking at the actual details and noticing the fact that they're different. I think a chain's going to go in the second round. And I really like the idea of him being on the Dolphins. I think Mike McDaniel having the fast, the objectively fastest offense of all time would be a hoot. Yeah, <laughs> that would be. Man, that'd be sick. Like him and him and Mostert, uh, boy, some speed. Well, like try to try to like put any kind of front seven attention on the backfield with Hill and, and Jalen Waddle there. But mm-hmm. it, and then if you actually do ignore it to that extent, if you really do just look at that backfield and treat it the same way as if uh, you know Jeff Wilson's on the field, but it's Devin a chain, like about to learn a hard lesson. Yeah, as as he's running past your your coaching staff on on the sidelines uh, with with no one else. Uh, in the same zip code. Um, let's see. You know, at quarterback, John, uh, mm. speaking of me being able to, um, me being gracious enough to, to kind of like set aside my, my hater, uh, my hater objectives f- for a, when I need to be objective. Um, Will Levis, I actually think is going way too late. Let's go. Uh, the best <laughs> ball. Uh, one quarterback, I think he was going too late. And especially in the super flex. I mean, some of the reaches at quarterback people do for these super flex drafts and Levis can't even get any hype going. That's crazy. And I don't even think he's good. I think he's horrifying as a prospect, but he's probably starting at least eight games this year. You know, mm-hmm. probably, I, I won't say like any conceivable team that he goes to definitely would make him a starter. Some, he might be a backup, but he's, he's a running quarterback who will probably start eight and then might start 17 games. And, uh, you know, uh, so some people found it, this wasn't best ball, but th- this was a super flex league last year. Like I rolled the Sam Ellen Ellinger for a bit last year. It didn't go well as you, as you can imagine, but like Levis is probably better than him at least. Yeah. As much as I, I really do resent a lot of the hype around Levis because it's, it's not Levis's fault, but I, I just think there's, um, there's a culture of excuse making around him and, and you see coaches, 
I think it's basically because they they literally see more of like themselves in him and more of like their sons in him. Like they look at him, and they're like, "Hey, this is a kid who I'd love to have as a neighbor, have as a son." And so when they look at Levis and look at these really obviously bad details in his prospect profile, like he was he was a wildcat like running specialist behind Sean Clifford. Are you kidding me? Like, to, but let me let me put it this way: Anthony Richardson is younger now, having logged three seasons as a starter than Will Levis was before he had to transfer away from Penn State. Like, Will Levis was six months older, uh, a few months older, anyway, than Richardson is about to be in uh, one month, and he couldn't beat out Sean Clifford. So imagine, like... I still think that's the James Franklin problem, at least partially. Right, but imagine if Richardson had three more years to play, Uh and how he would look in that third season would if you're placing the same amount of emphasis on it as with Levis, it would be a basis for switching them in the rankings. And it's like, why wouldn't Levis was 21 and like playing badly against Nebraska, you know, like he's, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's crazy to me. And so I think that when, when teams, this happened with Hayden Hurst too, they look at like the things wrong with them and they, they go, Oh, but he's, he's so, so much perseverance and whatever. Like if, if, if someone with different demographic characteristics than Hayden Hurst, uh, was a big time uh, baseball recruit or a baseball prospect and burned out, flamed out because they got the yips. Those NFL coaches, instead of looking at him and being like, "Wow, he's 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 such a fighter," you just, you just love to see you know someone you know, pick themselves up by their bootstraps. They'd instead look at that player and go, "Like he's a coward. He's a weakling. He's scared of the big lights." So mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of that going on with Levis, where they point blank look at things that they would not accept in other quarterbacks and they they make excuses for him. And um, I, I hate that, but uh, he's definitely better than Sam Ellinger. I, I think I would call Will, Will Levis like Bortles, basically. And you know, Bortles had a couple serviceable seasons for for fantasy. And and uh, yeah, uh, just to like add on to the to the Levis discourse, uh, Bill Connolly um, had an interesting piece on, on the quarterbacks uh, over at ESPN earlier, and you know it it, it was fun and interesting to see how like the metrics met the sort of preconceived notions like will levis seems to take a lot of sacks and then like that that bore out in his article and and you know everyone knows that will levis has a strong arm but uh his downfield accuracy so throws 21 yards or, or further was basically the worst uh yeah it's in, a trebuchet class. it's a trebuchet like you, you could lob it he can lob it pretty much the length of the field hopefully it's somewhere useful that it lands Right, it, but it, it's more likely than not that that it's not going to be on the money. Um, it just, but it will it will look cool in the air. But. And again, playing playing at an age where most quarterback prospects of his esteem are already in NFL camps, he went on into that season and relied on Wandale Robinson for forty six percent of his receiving for his passing yards. That's crazy. That's 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 the one read offense. Yeah, that. No, that so that definitely like wasn't really helping him develop. It helped Kentucky like on the field. That was their best path forward easily. Uh, yeah, Wandale was sick. Wandale was awesome. Uh, you know, Levis for for his part in 2021 was, was pretty good. Um, and Chris Rodriguez, but yeah, th- this year was a little bit more varied. Kentucky had a lot of freshmen. Their offensive line went to hell. Um, so that I think that that in part is why Levis got sacked so much, but I think that there's some decision, poor decision-making leading to, to sacks as well. Um, and, you know, he's not going to have the same amount of time in, in the NFL as he did, even like this past year at Kentucky. 
I will say it, it seems like he's definitely tough enough to uh, leverage his frame by putting on rushing volume, you know? Yes. Uh, but short of that, short of short of him being like a 25 pass attempt, 10 carry quarterback, I don't know how you hide his flaws. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be tricky. Um, anyone else kind of catching your eye as, as far as – it doesn't even have to be on, under the uh, – the guy, the guidelines of of rookies who are who are about to go up in ADP, but but some other guys that, that you have found yourself being interested in here in the lead up. Yeah, I, th- I actually do think Xavier Hutchinson is a good bet to go higher than he he often maybe usually goes undrafted in a league that I'm not in. He seems to go undrafted on underdog, and um, not that I take him every time, but he has been a 20th round pick for me. Uh, uh, probably like five or six times or something, maybe a little bit more than that. I don't know. And uh, I had to try to limit my exposure after a certain point because uh, particularly, you know, as of a month or two ago, me me thinking Hutchinson would be a day two pick was a more uh, extremist belief than it is now. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I didn't go overboard on it, but I kind of wish I did because Hutchinson's sick, man. I don't, I don't care about, I'm, I'm not afraid to put my name on this one. Hutchinson's good. And um, maybe the NFL doesn't get it right away. That's the danger. Like maybe he falls at the fourth round and starts fifth on some depth chart and needs two injuries to get on the field. But if he gets on the field, he's staying there. I love that take. I mean, the, the guy dominant production these last couple of years at, at Iowa State, um, you know, comes back for, for his senior year this past year. Awesome. Uh, despite, you know, the, the drop off otherwise with that team, you know, with Brees Hall and Brock Purdy being gone, he's still kind of just carried them uh, throughout. So I, I definitely have some Hutchinson FOMO that I'm going to address uh, here, but before uh, the draft, certainly. Uh, anyone else uh, b- before uh, we, we roll on out of here? I wouldn't be shocked uh, someone like Keaton Mitchell went maybe a little earlier than people think. It seems like a lot of people think he might go undrafted or the Raymond Calais route or something like that. And um, like all those reasons I was talking about a chain as an exception to the rule and, you know, being basically Warwick Dunn part two, uh, those, those aren't all applicable with Keaton Mitchell, but some of them are like Keaton Mitchell, uh, as much as he's not as good of a prospect as a chain, he has a similar combination of speed and production that, that gives you reason to think he'll be effective on a per play basis. He can't take many plays cause he's too, t- too tiny, but he is the kind of talent I think that will get on the field because at some point, some team is going to be like, we got to get him the ball or like, we, we need to try something, give it to Mitchell. And you watch him play at East Carolina. I mean, he, he bounces pretty much everything outside. And I, I guess that's, that, that could be a problem. But the reason I think it isn't is because to me, each time he does it, it's actually the right call. You know, like it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. bouncing it outside every time makes sense. If you always get to the corner every time. Yeah. And Mitchell, has really fast recognition of the defense. Like he has really great vision. He, there, those those plays where he just immediately starts fast forwarding out of the frame, he can kind of just glance, you know, getting the ball and, and sort of see like no one can catch me if I go this way, and he's always right. So I think he'll I think he'll go in like the fourth round or something, and uh, might creep back into the twentieth round range and underdog at that point. But that's that's an extreme. That's a much more extremist belief than like my Hutchinson suspicions. Uh, okay. At tight end, I, I, I'm optimistic for Sam Laporta, but he's probably like a little too risky to advise drafting until we see him go in like the second round. 
Okay. All right. That that makes sense. I have a little bit of Michael Mayer. Uh, no one else as far as the rookie tight ends go just yet, I don't think. Kincaid often was going in like the 15th to 18th, and that's probably not going to happen anymore because he was projected uh, to go in like the top 15 in a bunch of recent mock drafts. And I don't get it, but uh, there's enough smoke there that it, I think it's one of those things kind of like the 2-2 Atwell hype from a couple years ago where it was like Daniel Jeremiah kept saying, Atwell's going to go way higher than you think. And it was what it was was basically just he knew the Rams were obsessed with him. And so he was willing to, to, to go and, and, you know, make that uh, kind of um, projection. And I think you might be seeing something similar uh, with, with the Kincaid. Like, I think it's like maybe Washington basically told Jeremiah, like, yeah, we're taking Kincaid. And like, that's why they're so sure that he's going to go ahead of Meyer. Okay. For, for whatever reason, I thought that I saw the, the Packers uh, on Kincaid. Would that make any sense to you? I haven't seen Lafleur use a tight end even half as much as it would make sense to, to invest in Kincaid. Like they had Tanya in there who is a better athlete than Kincaid. I'm not saying he's as good of a receiver. He almost certainly, or he probably isn't. Uh, but they basically just, they, they put Mercedes Lewis out there so much that the next tight end role, the, any route running tight end role was one where they were kind of capped at like 30 snaps a game and still with plenty of those reps being blocking reps rather than routes. So I don't think Lafleur. Uh, has any use for tight ends he has he has a use for a big receiver uh in the slot so so maybe they, if they view Kincaid as like their starting slot receiver and not much of a tight end at all um if they view him you know the way that the, the Dolphins have viewed Gesicki let's say mm-hmm. that I guess could make sense um I still think it's a bad idea but uh yeah tight ends Lafleur doesn't use no, that, so that that one hasn't made a ton of sense to me. From you know things, I can I've see seen. Washington. I can really see Washington. Okay, the as in the the Commanders, not Darnell yeah. Washington. Got it. No, sorry. Uh, by the way, I love Darnell Washington. Big fan, but I, I correct seems answer. Like he's gonna, seems like he's going to go after not just Mayor, but also Kincaid. He's he's going to be a menace to all my uh, last round Jake Ferguson shares when he goes to to Dallas. But until then. Um, I still feel good about him. Yeah, I love I love Washington. He's gonna be sick. I've yep. decided he, he's he's too big and good um, to to fail, and he, he throws people around, which is cool. You can and, tell uh, how good a player is, in my opinion, often by just thinking about what would make the defense most stressed to have to deal with. And I think if you try to imagine yourself uh, sort of game planning a defense the question of Washington would be such a pain in the ass because it's just one of those things like you'd, you'd feel kind of stupid spending as much time worrying about him as he would. Cause he could just go out there and catch like two passes for 35 yards, you know, but mm-hmm. if you don't take the proper precautions that make that occur, your whole defense can just kind of like fall apart down the middle because the run game will get going and the play action will start just eating you up. So uh, I, I think it's like, he, he might have some kind of cold stretches and weeks where he only gets like two of three targets for 40 yards, but the offense that he's on is going to get better with it. His plus minus is going to be great. Yeah. I I like the idea of him to the Bengals. I've been playing around with Bengals, around. Cowboys, Lions. I, I think there's going to be more than a few teams that want him. Yeah. He's, he's definitely someone who, who I think deserves to go uh, in the first round, um, but that's going to wrap it up. Uh, for for us here on this edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Podcast, Fantasy Football Podcast, to be specific, 
presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code RWNFL. Get that uh, deposit matched over at Underdog. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Again, that's RWNFL. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. Try RotoWire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.